Last week on this program, the podcast of this show broke records. Now, breaking podcast records or viewership records is no stranger to the man who made it possible. But we owe him quite a debt of gratitude because he unloaded both barrels on Steve Bannon, which uh, allowed us to make quite a bit of news. And people went back and downloaded the show. They said, well, boy, what did Brian Kilmeade say? We better go back and listen. So today the challenge is to find... Who we can get him to comment on critically that will similarly make news. Let me welcome my friend, New York Times bestselling author, the co-host of Fox and Friends on Fox News, a nationally syndicated radio talk show host, uh, Brian Kilmeade. Brian, it's great to talk with you. Yeah, what's going on, Frank? How are you doing? I'm doing great. Were you surprised that our conversation last week sort of took on a, a life of its own and there were so many people writing about it and talking about it? Uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't even realize where I was talking. I think you just asked me about all the people uh, that were uh, upset with me because I'm filling in for Tucker after uh, they had an impasse with management. And I, I just don't understand why people would weigh in on that. Um, so I'm just pretty still I answered your question and end up being a big deal. Hey, hey well, that uh, goes to show a substantive answer uh, definitely carries some weight for a lot of people. Well, whenever you have any inside baseball that you want to share, you're certainly welcome to uh, to do it uh, to do it with me. I appreciate that. Hey, uh, let me ask you about this. You were one of the first people to say that uh, Glenn Youngkin had a great shot at winning the governor yeah. of Virginia, and then almost after, right after he was elected, you were one of the first guys to say this fella has national appeal. Well, this week, Glenn Youngkin came out and said he's not running. Are you going to be dusting off that fleece jacket and getting out on the presidential campaign trail later this year? No. no. I'm going to be working in Virginia this year. Brian, were you surprised at Youngkin taking himself out of the uh, presidential contest? And do you think this is a reflection of Trump's strength in the polls at this point? I think it could be uh, because he is a, he's got the one term. You can't you can't even say, well, he's only been doing the job a year. Well, he's going to be out of a job in three years. So and and I was also uh, one of the guys that just did a day in the life with Glenn Youngkin. So he has a job for about six weeks, maybe a little bit longer. And then we went down there. And we just met him in the morning and we spent a whole day with him. So we had three stops and I watched the way he digested, memorized speeches. I saw the interaction with people. Uh, I, you know, you got a chance to see him in action and uh, his knowledge of history and the famous building, the Capitol building in Virginia. And you thought the money was flowing in. Evidently, almost immediately, they were setting up a mirror campaign, I thought, to get him running for president. But then he looks around and he just says, I'm young. Uh, No way. You know, why do I want to uh, take on the, the Trump machine? Probably. Uh, he's very different than I am, but I have nothing against him. He helped him do phase one of the China deal because of all his Chinese connections, which he was not running from. He says, listen, I know these guys and I know how to deal with them. So it would have been an asset. But he says, yeah, I know he's going to be gone in four years either way. Either he's going to be president or he's going to lose. So even if he gets the nomination, he's mm. going to four more years. He's going to be term limited out. So to me, it kind of makes sense because he'll be done and they'll have two years to to run for president after that, because there's no way, there's no doubt he will eventually run. Last week, we spent a little bit of time talking about Donald Trump's uh, decision to, at least at this point, skip the first two Republican primary debates. 
You brought to our attention last week, you were the first person I heard mention it, that RFK Jr. was at 19% in the polls. Now that's been widely covered. Is there going to come a point, because I do think RFK is going to have a moment where he gets benefits from a lot of free media attention and a lot of people look for an alternative to Biden among Democrats. Is there going to come a point with these Kennedy poll numbers, and I realize that when it's an incumbent president, it's a different ball game. Jimmy Carter never debated Ted Kennedy. Uh, G- George H.W. Bush never debated Pat Buchanan. Bill Clinton never debated Lyndon LaRouche. But is there going to come a point where Kennedy's poll numbers get so high that Biden is sort of shamed into debating him and maybe Marianne Williamson as well? Where do you see no. that going? No. I absolutely don't. I mean, I think just keep your eye on uh, this whistleblower, this FBI whistleblower that came out and talked about what the Biden Fed, what Joe Biden directly was doing affecting foreign policy is the uh, allegation uh, by doing private deals when he was vice president and what he could be doing now. I mean, what is his affinity with China? He just, again, we're uh, supplementing Chinese solar panels. Now even the Senate's going to look to override that ridiculous move by the Biden administration. You see how China's running wild all over South America, Latin America, Central America. And you think to yourself, why is he looking the other way? And now we'll see what this whistleblower has to say. But if our, if, if, if uh, Joe Biden drops out, is, he, is uh, the only way we have debates. And that's Gavin Newsom was at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. It's Governor Pritzker. Um, uh, maybe Jared Polis, um, you know, maybe the governor of Kentucky. These people w- will get in. But it's just whether, you know, this reports, too, about Joe Biden having to leave less energy now. He needs days off in between. We don't even know what he's doing for two or three days. Do you know he has nothing on the schedule for the next two days? Yeah, and, and, and they by the way, start bolstering up the vice president. That's not a right wing uh, media outlet uh, reporting that. That's Axios, which, if anything, is probably um, you know kind of left leaning. So it's not, not as left, if yeah. it's not as if this is the, the right wing hit machine saying that Joe Biden is only essentially a nine to five president at best. But um, going back to Trump's situation, he's doing really well polling wise for whatever that's worth. Next week, he's doing this town hall meeting in New Hampshire on CNN. A lot of the CNN viewers are outraged. A lot of the Democratic pundits are outraged that they're giving Trump a megaphone. A lot of conservatives are saying that Trump should essentially treat CNN and other forms of legacy media the way that DeSantis is, which is to marginalize them and ignore them. Where do you come down on this, Brian? Do you think Trump's doing the right thing by going on CNN next week? Those channels treat him like a subhuman. And even for that to be the argument, in what planet do you not interview, would give, if given the opportunity, a former president who is leading the Republican side for the nomination to be the next president? Where, where, on what planet is that not news and worthy of your time? Well, you don't want to normalize him. What if he lied? Well, excuse me. Joe Biden tells one lie after another, ridiculous stories about seeing two men holding hands kissing in the 1950s and his dad leaning over and said they love each other, son, when you know that never in a million years happened. All his ridiculous stories that don't line up on a regular basis. The press secretary saying border crossings are down 90 percent. Nobody has any problem with this. But if you don't like something Donald Trump says, that that's inaccurate, that never happened, which a lot of stuff, Leslie Stahl, 
uh, the, all that stuff about Russian disinformation, um, uh, the laptop being real that Leslie Stoll says that they all said it was not real and there was no Russian disinformation. All that stuff ended up being true. They don't even want to acknowledge that, that they were wrong on the whole Russian investigation that took two and a half years and millions, maybe billions of dollars. You don't want to acknowledge the press was wrong. And now he emerges as the front runner again. And he's been remarkably disciplined over the last three, three, uh, three, four weeks while a rape trial goes on per civil. And while the other accusations, well, oh, the, the indictment takes place, two more could be coming. Trump has been pretty disciplined. Oh, you don't if you don't want to interview Donald Trump, you should not be a news channel. Uh, and do you from his perspective, given what you said, that they treat Trump, as you said, as a subhuman. Do you think he's making the right decision by choosing to go on there and reach the CNN audience? I think he is. If I'm on the Trump team, and by the way, and I've said this before, he's had three teams, 2016, uh, no offense to the, to the very the very unique series of, uh, of campaign heads. Kellyanne Conway, obviously the best. Brad Parscale at, with his uh, online uh, plan in 2016 shocked the world. In 2020, was not a good team at all. Uh, even though he had the White House, but the pandemic threw him. Getting the get you know getting COVID threw him. Never got in gear. Uh, he's got a great team now. He's got a great. Uh, he's got a quick reaction team. And if he wants to go on and give them one more shot, uh, I think it's a good move. And if they come out and they just start cutting him off and not let him finish, it's that was their shot. But, you know, Matt Lauer, I remember Matt Lauer did a good job with him leading up to the 2020 election. And he got eviscerated because he just treated him like a normal candidate. Challenged him when he couldn't. And they challenged Hillary Clinton and they got eviscerated. So that's uh, that's the risk on the left. But. If they do a good, fair job, I mean, look at what Vivek Ramaswamy's doing. He did Meet the Press over the weekend. He did CNN three or four times, famous sit-down with Don Lemon. He does our show. He does the business channel here. Did my radio show last week. Right. He's doing the Trump – that's the Trump game plan. I, I want him, I'll answer all your questions. Call me up. Doesn't matter what the format is. I can take it. And he is, is a really good guest. On everything from AI to the economy to, well, the bank collapse. I mean, I can't tell you how many meetings I'm in. And they go, how about Vivek Ramaswamy? I'm like, yeah, that's right. It's one of his expertise. So he's got like five areas of expertise. He's doing the Trump plan. Now, I'm not she's sure he's going to get the results. But that's why come one, come all. Uh, and that's when Trump's most comfortable. Remember Trump walking up and down the line? Go, go, go. We have a president that brags about giving us 10 minutes uh, 10 minutes by a chopper uh, once a week, now with now twice a month. And he brags about not being accessible to the press. And you had a previous president that said, I don't need a press secretary. I'll answer all my questions directly. So please understand from the press perspective, if you treat him fairly, you will have access and you will have a daily story. It's when you stop treating him fairly, focusing on Russia and family and all this other stuff is when you realize it doesn't matter what legislation they did, what they were doing at the board. They were just going to focus on something that made them look bad. The um, one of the big issues, especially going into next week when uh, Title 42 uh, goes uh, goes up in flames, is uh, the situation at the border. And in New York, we're seeing the costs of this. We're seeing this in a lot of the border states. And uh, we're seeing a lot of ramifications of this when it comes to domestic politics. I don't think I've seen a better discussion about this than your interview 
with the mayor of El Paso. Uh, The president says he's sending 1,500 troops down to the border so that the situation doesn't get out of control. Where do you see the domestic political implications of this after next week? Cities like El Paso, but also cities that have been on the receiving end of these migrants, cities like New York, Chicago, et cetera. Where do you see this going, Brian? Oh, my goodness. It's, it's unavoidable. I mean, for this mayor of El Paso to come up and say the president's doing everything possible, he's a Democrat. Are you kidding me? Know what you're saying? You're saying, I don't care about my people. I want to go to the big parties in Washington. I want to be able to get a call into the White House. I want to get a thank you from the president. I want to pretend that I showed the president a, a, a real good, candid look at what El Paso's like. As I'm interviewing this mayor of El Paso, I'm splitting the screen with video that shows this city has been overwhelmed with human bodies, sleeping, standing with blankets, other people dressed up trying to get to work. And this mayor of El Paso sits there and say, yeah, the president's doing everything he can and he's been very receptive. No, uh, you, you should be ashamed of yourself. People put you in that office to make minimal amount of money, but to represent them. And you decided you want to represent your party. And he won't even take on these mayors that are saying that you are busing them there because you don't like black people. I mean, our mayor, Adams, saying that Governor Abbott is only shipping illegal immigrants to cities with black mayors is such an insult to people who really see racial issues in this country and want to change things. Now, I mean, everybody rolling their eyes. Are you kidding me? Governor Abbott last night, I'll play some of those cuts, responded. But you know they're asking to go to New York. You know it's a sanctuary city. You know that he's already pledged to give everybody food and clothing and a a beautiful hotel to live in. So why wouldn't you come to New York as opposed to sleeping on the street in El Paso? It's a great question. Uh, Brian, what can we look forward to? You've been killing it on the weekends with One Nation. What do you have in store this Saturday? Do you have this show, this Saturday I'm go- show? I'm going to do yet? a, you know, I haven't said, thank you, Frank. Uh, I, I haven't set yet, but I might be leading with uh, AI. And, you know, yesterday, I don't know if you saw, but made a lot of news. Bill Hemmer came on, and Bill Hemmer's got a lot of great questions. He's like, we're, we're up in the air, and then I'm playing the latest IBM CEO. The other day it was the founder of AI who resigned from Google to go tell people he, he's worried. We know Elon Musk sat down with Bill Maher and, and Tucker to talk about it. He's like, listen, guys, you don't understand what's coming. So we asked AI to look at our last segment, or, or Eric did behind the board, look at our last segment about Brian Kilmeade and Bill Hemmer have legitimate questions about the future of AI. And they wrote a poem about it, literally in five seconds. And then they put it to voice. And a woman read this poem about our last segment, generated from AI, created in seven seconds. So I just think that maybe Will Hurd, who's leading the charge there, might be my lead guest. And we're going to talk about, going to talk about that. And I'm going to definitely be pursuing this Biden situation, see what emerges by Saturday. On uh, on this whistleblower that's come forward about uh, flat out deals that Biden made uh, that affected foreign policy and might be affecting it today. So uh, we'll talk about those two things for sure. And Richard Dreyfus, oh, uh, Richard Dreyfus, a legendary actor, yeah. will be in studio today. He's going to be joining me on Saturday. Uh, that's I, I can't wait to see both of those because uh, what he's uh, talking about in terms of civics education is uh, long overdue in this country, and that shouldn't be a partisan issue at all. By the way, while we, while you were talking, I just had uh, Chat GPT write out a song parody about you 
to the tune of Take Me Out to the Ball Game. So I know you're a sports fan. I'm going to send this over to you in the event Did that you really? sat- Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the uh, the chorus <laughs> is Take Me Out to the Newsroom, Take Me Out to the Fight. Brian Kilmeade's always talking. He's never out of sight. That's the that's the chorus. But there's some some decent parts of this. It's not as good as that poem for you and Bill Hammer. But I'm going to email <laughs> this to you now. And uh, and if you do an AI show on Saturday, you know, throw this into the hobo stew. Brian, it's always a treat to talk with you. Thanks for spending Thursdays with us. Uh, continue success, Frank. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Likewise, Brian Kilmeade. Check him out on TV. Check him out on radio. Uh, this is a rare week. This is practically a week off for him because he's only doing six hours a day during the week instead of his normal seven. And uh, in addition to that hour on the weekend, plus uh, the appearances for shows like this. 15 seconds of fame in a moment. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight.